did y'all see all that? I went to get up and I dropped my phone and this thing popped off. And then I dropped the bottle of water. Then my daughter walked in front of me and I almost tripped on her. I don't know what's going to happen here. Well, yeah, I am definitely privileged to be able to speak to you this morning on Mother's Day, day when we honor our mothers. While we will not be having a specific Mother's Day message, we're actually going to talk about knowledge this morning. Um, I would like to, to uh, first welcome everyone here, welcome all those who are here with us and all those who are, as James would say, live and in color. Uh, but I'd like to take this opportunity just to, to try and give a little bit of, I guess, my knowledge to some of the men here this morning. If you are intending, perhaps, to try and purchase a gift for your wife slash um, mother, there are a couple things I just want to share before we get into the message this morning. Uh, some things that, you know, I've been married for almost 30 years. And in that process, I have learned a thing or two. You might not be able to tell it on some days, but I have learned a thing or two. So I found these, and it kind of spoke to me, and I thought I would share them this morning. If you're intending to buy a Mother's Day present, my first recommendation is don't buy anything that plugs in. If it uses electricity, chances are it's going to be misconstrued. Don't buy any clothing that involves sizes. I don't even know if I need to elaborate on that. Avoid anything that is useful. I don't think I need to elaborate on that. Some of these you're going to need to make up your own punchline, so just, just run with it. Don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. That gift to the gym or that Peloton bike might be taken the wrong way. Then again, maybe not. Don't buy any jewelry. The jewelry that you can afford is, I've messed the whole thing up. Don't buy any jewelry. The jewelry your wife wants is jewelry you can't afford. And jewelry you can afford is jewelry she doesn't want. And finally, Make sure you spend just the right amount of money because if you spend too much, you're going to hear, how are we ever going to pay for this? And if you spend too little, you're not going to hear anything. But she's going to be thinking, is that all I'm worth? So I wanted to share that with you this morning. Hopefully it will uh, uh, provide a little bit of insight and knowledge that you can use as we move forward. So speaking of knowledge, get prepared here. This morning, we're going to talk about two different kinds of knowledge. Let's spend just a second and go over knowledge in general. When we talk about knowledge, we kind of have an understanding of what the word means. We kind of understand that it means that, that we know something, that we uh, have, have somewhat of an understanding of something, and and, and we're going to refer to that this morning as head knowledge. Some people might call it book learning. But there's a different kind of knowledge. And it's a knowledge that the Bible tends to refer to when we see the word knowledge used in Scripture. And it's a deeper understanding. The connotation that we, we get from the word knowledge in Scripture really means that, that we have this, this deeper understanding 
and if you will, a relationship with what we're referring to. So we're going to talk about that this morning, but we're going to call that heart knowledge. And we want to compare and contrast those two things this morning, this difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And the Bible's really clear about one thing for sure, and that is that head knowledge is not enough to achieve salvation. Head knowledge is not enough for us to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Head knowledge is not enough to get us where we want to be, and head knowledge is not good enough for us to develop into the servant that we need to. It's going to take both. It's going to take a combination of heart knowledge and head knowledge, and both of them are incredibly important this morning. And so we're going to explore the two, and we'll explain why they're both so important and why it can be dangerous if you just have one. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful that you've allowed us to be here this morning. Father, thank you for seeing us through another week and just allowing us to come together here this morning on this Mother's Day. Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much that you have given a role of mother to so many wonderful women, that they have served you greatly, that they have raised up godly children. Lord, we just thank you so much for creating that role. And Lord, we hope and pray that you'll strengthen the mothers who are here today, the grandmothers who are here today, or those women who are serving in that capacity for anyone who might be here. But Lord, we also want to pray for those women this morning who, for a number of reasons perhaps, uh, this Mother's Day is not the joyous time that we would hope that it would be. Lord, there are many who are, are going through various trials. There are many who uh, in this fallen world have experienced tragedy, have experienced things that that make a day like this that should be a time of celebration and a time of joy turns it into a day where there's sadness. And Lord, we just pray for those people who fall into that category, Lord, and ask that you will lift them up. Ask that you will allow your presence to be felt, Lord, and that you will heal their hearts and guide them through their circumstances. Lord, this morning, as we endeavor to draw nearer and dearer to you through the preaching and the teaching of your word, Father, help us to feel your presence this morning. Lord, I just pray that the words that are spoken here will be your words, that they will be words that will open up hearts, and that they will be words that will increase relationships and start new relationships. Lord, just, I just pray that your presence will be felt this morning and that you will lead, guide, and direct us all as we go through the message. Thank you once again for all that you've done, Lord, and we continue to look forward to everything that you'll do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask all of these things. Amen. So we're going to start this morning by beginning at Proverbs 1.7. Proverbs 1.7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It also tells us that fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's start off with the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge. What exactly does that mean, the fear of the Lord? Warren Wearsby says that the fear of our God is not the servile dread of a slave toward a master, 
but instead it's the loving respect of a child toward a parent. To fear the Lord means to seek to glorify God in everything we do. It means listening to his word, honoring it, and obeying it. So when we have a fear of the Lord, we have an understanding of who God is. When we have the fear of the Lord, we have this desire to please him. We have this desire to follow him. It's a respectful fear. And it's a fear that comes out of knowledge and understanding of who God is. We want to honor his word. We want to obey his word. And we want to do what God tells us to do in scripture. We want to turn to him in prayer. We want to filter our decisions through what we know to be true. We want to, we want to go to scripture for, for all of our, 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 our guidance and, and our direction for what we should do in life. And, and it's our desire to please him. Proverbs teaches us that the fear of God is foundational for true wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So Proverbs is really, really clear here that, that all types of learning, really, really they're, they're worthless unless they're based upon the foundation of the knowledge of the Lord himself. And that really kind of echoes what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.33 when he says that we should first seek the kingdom of God and all other things will be provided to us. This knowledge of God, this fear of the Lord, is a, is a truly foundational thing for us to build upon. And without that foundation, we, we don't have what we need for the, the building blocks to stand on. So first, we should seek the face of God in order to gain real knowledge and to develop a relationship with God. And it's in that relationship that we have the foundation for everything else. The book of Romans tells us about what happens when people seek knowledge, but they don't truly honor God in the process. Look with me at Romans 1, verses 21 through 22. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. See, this paints a picture of what happens to anyone who has a head knowledge of God. You understand that God exists. You have this knowledge of the existence of God, but in your heart, you fail to honor him and to accept him and to give him what it is that he deserves. And it tells us what happens here. That head knowledge causes people to essentially become fools. Their hearts were darkened. They said they were wise, but without that heart knowledge, without actually acknowledging God for who he is, they had no wisdom at all. And without the heart knowledge to go along with the head knowledge, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We're going to go back and look one more time at Proverbs 1.7. 
Because when we think about what it just told us in Romans, that the end result of not acknowledging God for who he is and relying on a head knowledge is that they became fools. There's an awful lot in the book of Proverbs that we can turn to to find out about fools. And it tells us here that a fool despises wisdom and instruction. Those are strong words. If a fool despises wisdom and instruction, you can't tell them anything. If a fool despises wisdom and instruction, they truly don't know anything, even though they think that they do. Let's look at a bunch of verses from from Proverbs here that describe some of the things that relate to a fool. In Proverbs 18.6, it tells us that a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Proverbs 12.16 says, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Proverbs 14.15 says, The simple believes everything, meaning the fool, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. We've got a few more here in Proverbs 18.2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. 28.26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. 10.23. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. And finally, Proverbs 15, 20. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Rather appropriate for this Mother's Day. I want to take all of those verses and put them really together here in one slide. and, And let's look at them very simply. Here are the things that Proverbs tells us about a fool. A fool starts fights. A fool is easily upset. A fool believes everything he reads, so a fool is gullible. A fool loves to talk, but hates to listen. A fool is fiercely independent. He doesn't know when to turn to others for help. He thinks he has it all figured out. He's got that head knowledge. And he's trying to live on that head knowledge. And he's trying to make all of his decisions based upon that head knowledge. A fool makes light of sin. A fool doesn't have an understanding of how much sin breaks the heart of God. A fool does not have an understanding of how much we should be repenting over our sin. And coming to the understanding that we need to turn from it. And the last one is a fool hates their mama. That's a lot of things to be said about a fool. It's all in the book of Proverbs, and we know we can trust God's word. And again, the problem is that they have filled themselves with head knowledge while refusing to accept and experience the truth that leads to heart knowledge. And that's dangerous. I want to give you an example this morning about how dangerous it can be. We're going to talk for a few minutes about Saul of Tarsus. Before the Apostle Paul was called the Apostle Paul, and he was known as Saul of Tarsus, he was not a man that Christians would want to meet in a dark alley. He was a man who persecuted Christians. 
He was a man who absolutely 100% believed that what he was doing was a service to God. He had incredible knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. He had been taught. He had learned. He had studied. He knew what the scriptures said inside and out. Yet he persecuted Christians. He was present at the stoning of Stephen when we read in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 26 says that in raging fury, Paul breathed breathed threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He truly hated Christ and everyone that was associated with Christ. Yet Paul had all of this knowledge. He should have understood. He should have known. But he didn't. You see, Paul was being used by the religious by the religious leaders at the time because they were concerned about losing their power. They saw Christianity as a threat. And so they came to Paul and they basically said, we want to use you. We want you to persecute Christians. And when we find him on the road to Damascus, we find him walking toward Damascus with a letter in his hand from the high priest to enter into the the city of Damascus, find Christians, bind them, arrest them, and bring them back. And at that point, who knows what they will face. Paul, Saul, was a dedicated man, but he was terribly misguided. He had plenty of head knowledge, but on the road to Damascus, Jesus opened Saul's heart by closing his eyes. I want you to read that account with me this morning. In Acts 9, verses 1 through 9, we read, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, meaning Christianity, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise And enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are traveling, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. The scriptures go on to tell us that once Paul regained his sight, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He finally understood that he needed to walk by faith and not by sight. Once he met Jesus Christ and his heart opened up, all of this head knowledge that he had suddenly made sense. 
Now he could be a devoted servant of the Lord and he had what he needed. He had the foundation to take all that he knew and rightly apply it. And he became a servant of the Lord who authored three-fourths of the New Testament. He became a servant of the Lord who brought the gospel to the Gentiles. So Paul, Saul is an example of someone who, without heart knowledge, was a dangerous individual. But when you have head knowledge and you have the heart knowledge coupled with a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be used in mighty ways. And Paul was used in mighty ways. We're going to go back one more time to Proverbs 1.7. You see, there's no such thing as a fool who fears God. It's from that fear of God that your heart is changed. It's from that fear of God that you have a relationship with Him. It's from that fear of God that you can one day be with Christ in paradise. It's that fear of God that provides that foundation for us to be the servant that we're called to be. And it's something that is imparted to us by God when we open up and allow him to come in. I would venture to say that most of you here today have experienced that calling that feeling that God wants you to make a decision for him. That at some point in your life, if you have not surrendered to it yet, whether it's during an invitation, whether it's during someone talking to you, whether it's during prayer, whether it's during the reading of scripture, there's been a time in your life when you've experienced God saying, just say yes. Just accept me. And the moment you open up your heart, that's when God enters in. I tell the story oftentimes about how my wife and I had been away from church for a number of weeks, about 20 some odd years ago. And she was pregnant with our first child. And we were walking together outside the house. And I remember looking at her and I said, I don't know what you're going to do, but tomorrow I'm going to church. As if for some reason she had been the reason I hadn't been back to church. She hadn't. And on that Sunday morning, in that room right there in the old sanctuary, during the hymn of invitation, as, as, as we like to talk about so much, I'm trying to put handprints into the, the pew in front of me, gripping as tightly as I can, even though... I'm absolutely feeling I need to come forward and I need to make a profession of faith. And as I'm holding on to that pew in front of me, I feel somebody literally push me out of the way and it was my wife. And she knocks me out of the way so that she can go up the aisle and make a profession of faith. And so like a dutiful husband, I just followed her right on up the aisle. And so on that day, we both made a profession of faith to the Lord. On that day, we both answered that call. On that day, we both opened up our hearts so that we could experience what it is that we're talking about this morning. We could come to an understanding and know and understand what it means to have heart knowledge as well as head knowledge. You put it all together and form that relationship with Christ that we're called to form. 
This morning, I want you to remember what we said a minute ago. There's no such thing as a fool who fears God. It's the foundation of knowledge. It's the foundation of wisdom. Are you walking today with a lot of head knowledge? Are you leaning on your own understanding? Are you thinking that I've got it all figured out? You know that God exists, but you're not acknowledging him the way that you should. You're not, you're not looking to him the way that you should. You haven't opened up your heart and allowed him in. Is that where you are today? If it is, now is the time to make that decision. Now is the time to experience the change that comes from accepting Christ. We talked this morning in Sunday school that we should never think that when we make a decision for Christ that somehow our life is going to be all, Brad, what did you say? Rainbows, puppies, and flowers and something like that, right? Yeah, and, and, I, and it would, I'm just going to do the song, Sunshine, Lollipops, and Rainbows. It's a lot easier. So, <laughs> but we should never think that because there's a lot of challenges that come with entering into the Christian life. There's a lot of challenges that come with saying that we are going to fear the Lord. Christ tells us that we will be persecuted. Christ tells us that we will face challenges and it's going to be all because of him. You need to be ready for those things. But what you get in return by surrendering is far greater than any challenges that will come your way. The Bible tells us that we need to be ready to give a, a reason for the hope that lies within us. Friends, you don't have that hope that lies within you until you know Jesus Christ. Once you reach an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and you surrender your life to him, then you have hope. You have hope for tomorrow. You have hope for eternity. And suddenly all the things of this world do go, grow strangely dim. So here in a minute, after we pray, we're going to have an opportunity for you to come forward. This is the time of invitation. It's a time for you to come forward, and it's a time for you to let everyone know that you've made a decision for Christ. It's a time for you to come forward and just ask any questions you might have about salvation. It's a time to come forward if you're in need of prayer. Let's pray together. But it's a time to make a decision. And so we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask the musicians to come forward, please, if you will. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this day on this Mother's Day, once again thanking you for all that you've done for us. Father, we are grateful that you spell it out so clearly in Scripture that we need to open up our hearts to you, that we need to say yes, that just having an understanding of who you are and being able to say, yeah, God exists, is not enough. Do we trust in you? Do we understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do we understand that he died on the cross and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures and that he did that so that we may have an opportunity for eternal life? Do we accept that as truth? 
God, I pray this morning that if there are those in the sound of my voice who do not know Jesus Christ, who are operating and walking and taking each step solely based upon a head knowledge, a book learning knowledge of who you are, Lord, that they will open up their hearts this morning and come to a full understanding of what it means to have saving faith and salvation in the name of Jesus Christ through who all men are saved. Father, thank you this morning for all that you have done. Lord, we look forward to what you will do. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the things that we have seen happen here recently with a new pastor coming. But Lord, all of those things, while wonderful, pale in comparison to what it means to experience one more soul come to know you. And Lord, we just want to see you work in that capacity. Thank you again for all you've done. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.